This week on Ultra 64, we go into mission with Winback Covert Operations. <laughs> Winback mission aborted! <laughs> Sexy spy theme to win back. That's right. That's right. We are talking about win back covert operations, and we're opening with everyone's favorite song, the theme to win back that I made He's up just now. He's the win backiest boy. <laughs> he is. He is. You can you can definitively say no boy is win backier. When you need something lost, when you lose something and you need it won back, get Mr. Win back. That's his I name, was, right? I, I was confused John that his Luke name Winback. was not Mr. Winback. I think that would have made a little bit more sense. But Winback, we are Ultra oh 64. We are the uh, comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 library. And we are ducking behind the nearest convenient crate so that we can sight it up and give it the best possible shot. And my name is Steve Guntley. Hello, I am fine woodworker Woody Siskowski. <laughs> We're, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be talking about this one. This is uh, I've heard a lot about this one. I've never played a second of yeah, it before like this week. Yeah, it's like all the talk on the street. All the kids at TikTok. This is oh, yeah, all yeah. what they're making uh, videos about. They're making winback Win videos. Yeah, 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 exactly. And crouch, and stand, and aim, and <laughs> press C down. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Winback. I've, I've heard that this one is kind of uh, an underappreciated game on the N64, and looking into it, it is like a surprisingly influential game. Like a lot of very important game mechanics were introduced in this game, which is pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, it, it's uh, it, I had a good time uh, digging into it, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm ready to jump. In. Have you played this one before? Uh, I played it a little bit before. Um, I I I think this was a cart that I sold to you, and I'm like, oh, I better try this before I part ways with it. Um, and I remember liking it, and uh, I went back. Yeah, playing it, my memory did not serve me wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's jump in. I think one it. This game has two very important innovations that I think we should talk about right off the bat because these two things kind of went to uh, define the, the shooter genre for the next decade or so. Uh, the first thing that we can talk about is the laser sight mechanic. This is a little bit uh, smaller scale than the, the other one we're going to be talking about. But the laser sight on your gun, like aiming over the shoulder and like looking down at a laser sight, would be used to very, very good effect in Metal Gear Solid 2 and most notably in Resident Evil 4. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid 2 even pays homage to this game, actually. You can find a hidden dog tag in that game with uh, the name Jean-Luc Cougar on there. So, you know, they know. They, they're paying tribute to it. And that's cool. And that's I think it's a very uh, effective aiming mechanic. I don't think it's used perfectly here. I think if you want a much well, better nothing, application. The, the word perfect and win back. <laughs> It doesn't are, apply. Are very far away from each other. No, no, it doesn't apply. No. It doesn't apply. Um, but and I think the other, it's... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it, it's the cover mechanics that I think are really influential well, to talk about here. I think you're skipping the, the big innovation of collecting magazines. Oh, that's true. I, yeah, I, you collect, collect magazine. magazines this game. Yeah, that's why, like, fine woodworking mm. or um, <laughs> jugs. Cat and fancy. Then, yeah, exactly. And then you walk around and there's a little collection mechanic where you can store them in the library. That's what the magazines that we were picking up were, right? That was my favorite yeah. part. And I liked picking up the shells, too, you know, because you could load them into your shotgun or you could uh, display three of them on your toilet, a la Demolition Man. That's true. Or you could find, uh, find a local hermit crab in need of a home. Uh, do, you have, do you have a theory about how the three seashells worked in Demolition Man? Uh, my I theory is I... Don't know if I've ever seen Demolition Man. What? Oh my God! Oh man! Okay. All right. We we have to watch Demolition Man soon. But that, that's getting on the schedule. And or uh, I saw it when I was, you know, six for some weird reason, and thus have no memory of it. That's I the perfect get a, time to see it. Is it the one with Dennis Rodman or the one with Wesley Snipes? Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes. I'm aware that that might like be an Dennis inherently Rodman. racist question. No, so he, he he really looks like Dennis Rodman in that movie because he's all bleach blonde and like wears all these outrageous outfits. So it, it's not it's not a leap. Anyway, 
Let's talk about the other important thing they introduced here in Wing Winback, and that is cover wing mechanics. Wingback, the shoe game. Uh, so, uh, oh, that's a wing tip. Never yep. mind. I know nothing. Well, it's, it's if you wear your uh, wing tips backwards. That is painful. That is yeah, painful. It really hurts. <laughs> so, Winback is generally considered the first game to make use of an active cover system. So, you can see similar ideas that have been used all the way back in arcade games like Gunfight in 1975. And I've seen some wise asses on the internet say, well, Space Invaders had a cover system. Yeah, whatever. It, it had a shield you could shoot through. All right, let's, let's calm down. Uh, <laughs> and we, we've also seen rudimentary versions of this in uh, a game that we played recently, Flashback uh, and mm, Blackthorn, the uh, Blizzard kind of version of the cinematic platformer, the stop and pop kind of shooting mechanics more than run and gun. The other the other game that I wanna I wanna call out because this is a, sort of a different type of game, but this was what Winback reminded me the most of um, was Time Crisis, which Absolutely. was the arcade game that came out in '95. So that would have been a little pre Winback. That's Time- how that's how we always identify it is PW pre pre Winback and post Winback. <laughs> Uh, I, I just crisis. really, really like the name Winback, so I'm yeah. going to be saying it a lot. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. Let's boost up that um, SEO on there. Uh, but oh, yeah, because everyone's Googling Winback all the time. If they're not, they should be, because, yeah. like, what the fuck is Winback? Uh, time Crisis may be the arcade game I've played the most. Or oh, the, time the, Crisis is so good. The one I've spent the most money on and the one I know the best, arguably, at this point. Like, Did you beat Time Crisis in the arcade? Oh, hell yes. Absolutely. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. Uh, I, I never get tired of playing Time Crisis. So satisfying. Um, and that did have kind of a cover mechanic sort of thing like this where... You know, you press on the pedal to jump out of cover, and then you release the pedal to drop back under. Uh, but that's not quite the same thing as what Wimback is doing here. Uh, the difference here is it, it, this this introduced kind of what we think of as modern cover mechanics. Yes, I think yes. the, the big difference here is that there's more emphasis on stopping and aiming and planning out your route than there is on just charging through. Your character is usually a little more susceptible to damage, so like you'll you'll die easier if you're not yeah, a guy in cover. Like- lightly kicked me in the stomach and it took like a third of my health yeah yeah exactly yeah you you're a delicate little flower boy named jean-luc i mean you have to be very careful um yeah so gunfire is much deadlier and you need to stick to cover and kind of strategically plan your way through uh use the camera angles to kind of work your way through a level and uh decide the best route through uh, so the mechanics here would be refined by games like kill switch a few years later i, I never actually played that one but that one really advertised itself as like, ooh, look at these cover mechanics that we're using. Like, it was really trying to stake the claim on that, but Winback beat it by three years. Uh, but it was the massive, massive success of Gears of War uh, that made cover shooting kind of the gameplay mechanic du jour for pretty much all of the mid-2000s. And also I had to remind myself that Gears of War is like a 15-year-old game. Yeah. And that does not seem right somehow. Years of War was one of those games that I remember playing. Like, the first time I saw it, it really had an impact on me. I was like, holy shit. Like, it was it, every. So, like, there's always, like, games that feel next generation, and that was sort of the game for that generation. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, the, the mm. word I always associate with Gears of War is just heavy. Everything yeah, in that game thick. feels heavy and thick and slow, and, like, you really feel the impact of every footfall in that game, which is really cool. I've been actually. Uh, starting to play the first one again i recently ran through the entire halo series like just back to back and i'm about to do that with gears of war as well because i i don't think i've played past two uh but they're they're great they're a lot of fun and i mean you you see fewer and fewer kind of cover-based shooters now but for a while it was pretty much every single game like every 3d action game that came out for a good 10 years had this cover-based shooting. So you have the whole Uncharted series, you have Kane and Lynch, you have Army of Two, you have 50 Cent Blood in the Sand, all of those used all of that. And then you have established series started adopting it, like Grand Theft Auto started doing cover mechanics, uh, Splinter Cell, Rainbow Six. You even well, got some, and that's, yeah. that's kind of what happened is I think that a lot of games still have cover mechanics, but it's not really like it's just so integrated into games now that it's not like a feature anymore. Right. It's like you can't just have cover mechanics as your hook. Like that's, that's just not enough. That's kind of crazy. It's it reminds me almost of um, the big innovation of Halo. I think was the regenerating life system, so that you're not always like running around looking for health packs. 
uh, and now we don't even consider that a feature. That's pretty much every game plays like that. You can regenerate your health for a little bit. So it's crazy that we get to talk about a game that introduces something that becomes foundational like that, uh, and that it appeared on the N64, and it really doesn't get a lot of credit. No, this game, I mean, this game feels very different than almost anything like the N64. This game feels like a very middling PS2 game. Which, which it wound up being. Yes, exactly. Because but they tried to like, port an N64 game to PS2. Yeah, um, which mo- because like the camera is sort of really close in on your character. Like I feel like I really associate most N64 with like a, a zoomed out camera, platforming, and very like free movement, like in Banjo Kazooie or something like that, where you're sort of taking in the grandeur of the world. Whereas I sort of associate very close in corridors. Yeah, um, and more cinematic cameras with something like the PS One, the PS Two, and this game has that feel. I mean, controlling Jean Luc kind of felt like uh, like you're piloting the mech in Blast Corps, you know? Like you you feel so big and substantial in this game, and like you're right. I think uh, even like Mario is a tiny little figure. Banjo Kazooie, they're a tiny little figure. You could probably stack like four banjos on top of each other and get one Jean Luc. So it feels <laughs> like human proportions, and it's telling this kind of compelling action movie story. Um, let's jump into some details about Winback here. Winback Covert Operations was released September 23rd, 1999, developed by Omega Force and published by Koei. And it was also released on the PS2 and later re released on the PS Network. I will say uh, that um, I think Winback Omega Force would have been a better name than Winback Covert Ops. I agree, yeah. actually. And the the title over in Australia and the UK is Operation Winback, which is almost a little better too. Yeah, uh, I, I just wish. It, yeah, I, I have a problem with Covert Ops in general because I know that that was that was the style at the time because yeah. this would have been a little bit after on, you know, my Metal belt. Gear Solid. Yeah. Um. Are you are you leaving the room? Oh, no, no, no. Okay. Um, sorry, I heard you trailing off. Um, oh, sorry. But uh, the... Yeah, this game is not covert ops. Like, no. the actual covertness is very questionable. And, like, the second level, I picked up a silenced pistol, yeah. which seemed to do nothing aside from change the sound of the pistol. Yeah, yeah, but, the stealth elements here aren't really... Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this stealth in a second. Um, yeah, so the, like we said, there is a PS2 port that came out two years after this, which is kind of rare. I can't think of any other Nintendo 64 game that got ported to PS2. Uh, that Yeah, that came out in 2001. It had some upgraded visuals and a uh, multiplayer challenge mode like with bots, so you can play single-player mm. multiplayer, uh, but otherwise they're pretty similar. And it, it has voice acting as well. Oh, it does. Okay, which yeah. Which I think is something that this game really wants... I think it wants, I think, again, it was probably wise that they didn't try to cram it in here. It probably would have made other things work worse, but uh, I get it. Uh, Let's talk about Omega Force, because that's just the coolest name for a video game company ever. Omega Force is a subsidiary of Koei, uh, and they've been working with the company since 1996. Winback is actually their third game following the PS1 adventure game Enigma, and there was a fighting game called Destriga. Uh, today, the company is dedicated solely to the Dynasty Warriors series and its um, many, many spin-offs. Many, many, many spin-offs. Which includes nine main games, uh, Dynasty Warriors Gundam, Samurai Warriors, Warriors Orochi, Hyrule Warriors, and Fire Emblem Warriors. Uh, those games are very fun. I find they cannot keep my attention for more than a level or two. Uh, because you really do get the gist of it pretty quickly. There's something very, very satisfying about having a ludicrously sized sword and chopping down like literally 30 guys in one swing. Uh, that can be really fun to do, but it also, that's as deep as the game gets. I do that's, kind of see a little thread like between Winback and those games, just in terms of like those games are built upon, all right, we got a good premise. Let's just toss it in the same, like sort of repeating levels over and over. Yeah, yeah. And that's basically what Winback has. They're like, okay, we figured out like what this game is and let's just make 30 levels out of it. Exactly, yeah. exactly. This is also our first chance to talk about Koei. Um, so they, uh, that company has been around since the late 1970s and they have a very, very specific niche and that is Japanese military history. Uh, <laughs> they started on the NES uh, developing strategy RPG series like Romance of the Three Kingdoms, Les Empereurs, and Genghis Khan. I can't pronounce French words. Uh, before moving on to titles like Nobunaga's Ambition, Kessin, and Pacific Theater of Operation. 
Uh, Winback is kind of the company's first real attempt to break <laughs> away from strategy games. Uh, who were, I mean, I'm sure these people existed, but what... I bet there were weird people, and I apologize, listeners, if you're one of these people, but, like, write in and let us know. Are there people who, like, played a bunch of simulation games on the Super Nintendo? I don't know. Or, like, on the NES. Like, there was Romance of the Three Kingdoms on NES, and that just seems like a hellish existence. I haven't played. (laughs) Weirdly, I own that game. I haven't played it. I've never played any of the games in that series. Like, I I don't know. I like strategy games. I like strategy RPGs like this. I'd really... I don't but know. It's not, I, R- I, it's not an RPG, really. Oh, it's not it's really just um, just like it's just rich. a sim. It's simulation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like Civilization, but okay. on the NES. Which, yeah. This. I mean, this I like is... Civ too, but it just oh, sounds yeah, yeah. very difficult on the on these old consoles. In general, like if you're playing a strategy game, you don't want to do it on a home console. Like you <laughs> want that to be. I mean, they've gotten better with it. Like you could play XCOM or. Yeah. There's actually some I, pretty I, I decent really civilizations. Imagine, like you win. You would go over. You'd go over to a friend's house, and he's like, "Hey, check out this cool game I got. Let's play Nogaba- Nobuga. What's the name no- of that game? Steve? Nobunaga's Ambition. Nobunaga's yeah. Ambition. And you're sitting there like, why is this person my friend? Yeah, like, yeah. Arab I, I did. I literally Sonic. went to a friend's house, and he was playing one of those games uh, on his Super NES, and I just had no idea what I was looking at, like because I was ten and I didn't get it. Um, yeah, so uh, around this this was kind of the company's big attempt to break away from those style of games. And around the same time, they released Dynasty Warriors, which would kind of become their, their meal ticket from then on. Uh, in 2009, the company merged with Tecmo, so now the company is called Koei Tecmo. And they're still, they're still at it. Um, yeah. Uh, so I copied down the plot directly from the manual because it's kind of well-written and very goofy. Um, all right, so this is the plot of Winback Covert Operations. The heavens blaze. Okay, I'm not going to do that voice the whole time. The Center for Space Development was suddenly hit with a highly concentrated energy beam. Now only a barren wasteland marks the place where the proud complex once stood. In minutes, news of its destruction reached the Department of Defense. Some outside source had accessed Gulf, a top-secret strategy weapons satellite in orbit. It fired without mercy. The Secretary of Defense gathered his advisors but had little confidence in their ability to deal with this worst-case scenario beginning to unfold. The Secretary's worst fears were soon confirmed. Reports that an unknown secret agency had successfully infiltrated and seized the secret base at West Ham were pouring in. Aside from the now-defunct Center for Space Development, the base at West Ham is the only location from which the Gulf system can be activated. As reports of the damage flooded the Department of Defense, the Secretary received a message from Kenneth Coleman, the leader of a terrorist group called the Crying Lions. As Coleman explained the reason for the attack, the Secretary was faced with the awful realization that the Crying Lions were not open to negotiation. They wanted freedom for their homeland of Zarkosia and could not and would stop at nothing to attain it. There are only three hours in, until the Gulf satellite is powered up and ready to fire again. Secretary knows what he only has one card left to play. He orders the SCAT team to mobilize. Their orders infiltrate the base at West Ham and retake control of the Gulf satellite. So the uh, the rather unfortunately named SCAT team <laughs> Hey, is... Steve, there's this... Hey, hey, I'm hmm. calling. There's this dog running around in my neighborhood. It's pooping everywhere. Activate the SCAT team. Bags. Yeah, SCAT team stands for oh i wrote it down uh special covert action team uh i feel like i feel like those are generic enough words that they could have reorganized that into like hammer or or knife Something twist to not or, be scat team yeah if you're just yeah. making up making up a fake government organization maybe don't call it scat team even if you're not thinking like scatologically you could think you know oh it's a, it's a little old lady trying to get like raccoons off of her garbage can you know like this is the team you send in with a newspaper or a broom and yeah scat get out of here so they're they're setting them up for failure right right away um the game has a pretty narrow scope which i like you you have one setting you have a short self-contained story and you have a pretty clear-cut like a to b mission uh you're as the game opens up your chopper is shot down and well, you, it's very weird, like the animation. You're you're a bunch of just generic dudes in this chopper, and he's like, "Okay, we're over the base. Everyone, get ready to jump." And then they start jumping, and then the chopper just randomly explodes in the air, like it doesn't appear that anything has shot it. Yeah, I, I think they probably couldn't like animate the missile or something like that. I mean, I think we're supposed to understand that they got shot down, but uh, it could just be anything. It's just like, oh, oh random explosion. 
But uh, as the game opens, uh, your team member is uh, Jean-Luc Cougar. Uh, that's your main character. Uh, you must locate the missing members of your team and put a stop to the terrorist plot before the time runs out. So there are three endings to this game, depending on how quickly you finish the game. Uh, you get the good ending if you finish in under three hours. You get a bad ending if you finish between three and six hours. And you get the worst ending if uh, it takes longer than eight hours. The worst ending is actually a serious downer. I read it up on it. It's... Uh, if you fail to make it to a certain boss on time, he massacres the captive members of your team. The terrorist leader kills himself, but not before he activates the Gulf, destroys the White House and the Pentagon. And at the end of the day, there's only two team members alive and everyone dies. I mean, uh, I will say not to it sounds like the terrorists here have like a fairly reasonable goal. Like, dear you at like stop controlling our country and we're going to use this giant death satellite that you've currently that you've kind of installed to you know yeah it's like what is the u.s doing with this giant laser satellite <laughs> so what did you think winback stood for did you that i thought it was like an abbreviation for something did what did, did you think that uh no i guess i knew for some reason i feel like i knew the story of this game um well enough that i feel like it enunciate very clearly like it's the u.s satellite and it's been taken over so now you got to win it back yeah, that, that's literally what it is. You lost yeah. something, you have to win it back. But, like, I think maybe the fact that... It the, also makes it sound like uh, the U.S. president was, like, gambling with the... with. He's like, okay, okay, <laughs> I got two kings in my hand. I can win this. I'm going to throw in the U.S. death satellite. And then the other guy's, like, royal flush. And then he's like, shit. <laughs> All right, I got to go to the pawn shop and drop off my doomsday device. Yeah, I guess I just was under the impression that this stood for something, and uh, it was kind of disappointing to learn. It's like, oh, it's just it's just that. Like, was the guy who named missions, like, off that day or something? Like, it should be Operation Fire Thunder or, or Operation Eagle Freedom or something. I don't know. Like, Winback just seems very lazy. And also the fact I, that I it's— I still it, really like Winback. I it's, think it's— It's stylized as one word, like, with a capital yeah. B in the middle. So, like, that felt like something. I don't know. Which I, I like, too, because it just makes it sound like it's a verb. He's like, oh, yeah. hey, where did where did John Luke go? He was supposed to take me to Little League practice. Oh, he's out. He's out doing windback. Oh yeah, he's windbacking. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You didn't know that? Yeah. Uh, so some of our characters here, like we said, you play as the improbably named John Luke Cougar, who the manual identifies as 27 in single. Uh, there was no information presented on whether or not he was willing or able to mingle, but mm. you can probably ask him about that. And what what, what includes his turn ons and turned offs? We know one of his turn-ons is his gun uh, because it was a gift from his deceased brother, Alan, which is a, a weird but welcome note of backstory that you have in there. I don't think it ever comes up in the game, but that's mentioned in the manual. Uh, some of our other characters here are Lisa Roberts, who is the only female member of the team and the best sharpshooter. Uh, Daniel Stewart is the commanding officer. Law Bruford is the team's bruiser. He's a hulking close combat kind of guy, and he sounds like a Sleeve McDykel or Bobson Dugnut kind of name, you know, that uh, that Japanese baseball simulator. Uh, Jake Hudson is the team's prankster, because you need one of those. Uh, Matthew Brown is a former pro boxer, and he's kind of seen as like the heart of the team. He's, he's the big cuddly guy. Thomas Smith is the communications expert. Keith Birdie is the medic. And Michael Hopkins is the heavyset nerd uh, slash demolitions expert. And then finally, Stephen Legal. That was my favorite name. Stephen Legal, uh, the stern second in command. He's, he'd be played by Tom Sizemore. He, he, he manages all of the uh, lawsuits of the ba- of the SCAT team. Maybe it's Legal. Like maybe they're going for a Steven Seagal mm, thing. That and, actually and makes more sense. Stephen Legal. Uh, over on the Crying Lion side, we have a couple of pretty great uh, oddball names. There's a characters named Bad Luck Lila, Death Mask, Sergeant Thunder, Cecily Newcastle, Banderas, and my personal favorite, Gunt. Just a guy named Gunt. <laughs> so you, you just named a lot of characters on that manual, Steve, but let me be clear, like, you hardly see any of these characters no no it's very true like they sort of show up a little later and pop in and out i spoiler alert beloved character matt shows up on like the third level it's like hey how's it going and then he runs out from behind a truck and immediately gets shot yeah yeah what the (laughs) hell matt i just got to that part in the game i'm just like whoa okay yeah (laughs) you're supposed to be like part of this elite team here i don't know why you would think that was a good idea and that's also there's also way too many characters there that's too many characters like for a game that they expect you to beat in three hours that's too many characters yeah it's pretty underdeveloped i just like the names i just like a good goofy name uh, oh yeah no it's a lot of fun 
Um, <laughs> all right, let's talk about the gameplay a little bit here. So th- I think this game has almost like an on-rails kind of feel because like you can move freely, but it's always through like narrow corridors of like boxes or something. Like you're always being... Oh my God, this is, I mean, this is a satellite facility that you're trying to win back, but really they just manufacture boxes. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> I can't I mean, even imagine whole, what's in all these boxes at this point. Yeah, well, most of them, nothing. Yeah. Because you, you, they take, they, these are like well-designed boxes. They've been li- reading these copies to find woodworking they have laying around. Because <laughs> it takes like five bullets to destroy these boxes. And mostly they have nothing in them. And there's a lot of um, invincible boxes that you can hide behind. And then there's like, this, yeah, this is composed, this whole like secret military base is composed of boxes, mm-hmm. shipping crates, yeah. and oil drums yeah (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know why they need so much oil especially in a satellite facility i mean are you running like non-stop generators or something it's it's a gas-powered satellite that's so inefficient (laughs) my lord i mean the emissions the i guess that's why the game's so foggy it's just all the uh, exhaust coming being pumped out by this plant but yeah so it is it's there like you're you're kind of steered by the nose which is okay. Like, it's oh, yeah. it's not really a problem. Like, I wouldn't want this to be, like, this free-roaming experience because the controls are pretty stiff. <laughs> this is a game that it, a lot of the flaws in it sort of are what makes it playable because the controls are so bad. Yeah. Um, like, this game would be super, super hard if the enemy AI, AI was <clears throat> any good. Oh, it's so like, dumb. <laughs> yeah, it's so dumb. Like... As long as they will not, as long as you're hidden behind cover, they will not make any attempt to like move somewhere else to be able to shoot you. And they'll take a good like half a second to actually fire back at you, even when you pop out of cover. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so even when they're sort of, you're right behind them, they don't hear you at all. But all of that, I think, is okay because, again, you take a lot of damage in this game and the controls are difficult. And so this game is kind of like, can you master the wonky controls? That's like your battle. It's right. like really, this you know, there's man versus man, man versus machine. This is man versus machine, man versus N64 controller. Right. And like the villains there are kind of just there to sort of give a modicum of story. Mm-hmm. But really, this game is about, can you remember what each button does and get it to work consistently? That's a really good way of putting it because the layout here is not terribly intuitive. All right, so if you give me a game on N64 that's all about aiming and shooting, I am going to assume that the trigger button, the Z button on the back, the one that looks like a trigger, is going to be your trigger. It's the one that you are going to shoot with. So it took some... Uh, it took some adapting for me to get used to using the A button. So the way you shoot in this is you hold the R button to bring up your gun and press A to fire. The Z button is your crouch, which I understand why they map it to the Z button because you need to crouch walk a lot. You know, you need to kind of roadie run around and you need to be holding that button down. And it does feel a little more natural squeezing the trigger than holding down the A button to walk. So I get why they did it the way they did it. But I did need to unlearn it a little bit, and then I needed to go in and change all the default camera settings and change all the default uh, uh, aiming settings to make it all feel natural again. Yeah, there's a very weird default camera setting where, like, if you look to the left or right, the camera doesn't follow you. So, like, Jean-Luc will be very weirdly twisted around, and your aim reticle will be, like, pointed far to the right of the screen. It's very awkward. I I think, you know, I'm not sure they could have mapped the controls a lot better for this game, considering, like, what it is. I mean, because this game almost controls the same as Resident Evil 4, which is, like, a fantastic game that, like, everyone loves. Um, And even though the controls of that are a little wonky at first, um, but I think it's more of an issue of trying to do a lot with the N64 controller. Like, this game really wants a strafe option, um, but the C buttons are have to be mapped to your camera, so you don't get that. This, this does feel very ahead of its time uh, in, in a lot of ways, and it's definitely ahead of the technology that they're trying to cram it onto. Uh, yeah, because, like you said, I think this is a game that would... Ideally, you would want two triggers, uh, you would want two analog sticks, and you need, like, yeah, yeah, you want to be able to steer your camera independently like that and then pop and shoot in a way that feels satisfying. So if they had just waited, like, two years, developed it specifically for PS2, I think we'd be talking about Winback a lot more. 
And right. that's not to say it's bad on the N64. No, it's, it's definitely it's not. It's very, very playable and very fun, like, once you kind of attune yourself to the weird rhythms that this game has, uh, you it, it becomes very satisfying. And the game more than meets you halfway. I think they it is it is aware of its limitations. It's not just trying to make something work. Uh, you know, it, it's not just trying to cram all this stuff on you well, and leave you Well, I will say, like, like, all the cover mechanics, like, work super... I mean, not super, but they work pretty well yeah. in the sense that, like, when you're in cover, you don't get shot. Yeah. And when you step out of cover, you will get shot. And, like, so it works pretty well. It always feels fair and responsive to that. Oh, definitely. Uh, I did have some issues with sometimes you wouldn't snap back to cover. Like, I feel like yes. I feel like the appeal of a cover-based thing is that once you're in cover, you need to be able to peek out and then snap back quickly, like, by releasing a button or something John like that. John Luke is sort of goes back and forth between being too sticky and too slippery like mm-hmm. sometimes you'll be sticking to things constantly and other times like you just can't get him to actually get in cover sounds like he had a fun night either way yeah exactly gross sorry uh, <laughs> yeah but i mean the game has a pretty generous auto aim uh which thank god for that um yeah you have a, a lock-on button again thank god and you can cycle well, through the your lock-on targets button is the same button as your aim button <laughs> Oh, Which, it's the uh, no, it's the C down button, right? The oh C, yeah, yeah, but C mostly like on. when you hold when you hold R to aim, it will lock on for you. Oh yeah, yeah. If you're within like the right vicinity too, uh, and and thank God because manual aiming is a pain in the ass with this analog stick. Uh, the only time I would ever really try it is if there was someone that was out of range of me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I could see them out of just, range of the lock on. Yeah, yeah, they're they're yeah. just like barely out of sight, and I don't need to be hiding under cover to like take my time and really sight it up. And it can be satisfying manually aiming because you can drop someone in one shot rather than like five. Right. I think it's. I mean, I think it's a good balance because the auto aim is super generous, but it kind of auto aims towards someone's chest. Um, and so if they're like un- standing next to very tall cover, the auto aim won't hit them consistently, and so you just kind of raise your laser sight up a couple inches and then you can get that headshot. So I think it's a good balance of the auto aim going right to where you need to be but then giving you a little manual aim to get that one hit kill or peek right out over the cover. Yeah, but it it should be noted that the N64 in no way is built for this level of precision. Like, for... For quick thinking, like being on your feet and like having to manually aim at someone's head, yeah, n- don't even try. Stick with the auto aim. You're going to be much happier and you will live much longer in Winback. So uh, some of the cover can be destroyed. Uh, usually the white crates can be destroyed, so you don't want to hide behind those too long. And sometimes they'll have items inside like a magazine or a medical kit. I like that they're very specific. It is a magazine it's not like magazine i don't know and and to be to be clear like the magazines as much as i would like to have them fun articles and content for you to catch up on they are um ammunition for you have three different guns in this game your default gun is a pistol which has infinite ammo as Mm -hmm. pistols do as they do Um, as everyone knows yeah exactly um you have a machine gun which is what you pick up magazines for which sort of has slightly longer range than your pistol and then you have a shotgun which shoots at a wider berth and slightly later you get a couple i i I picked up a rocket launcher Mm. which was useful for destroying a turret uh though had very little range there were three guys standing very next to each other and i shot a rocket in there and it killed one of them (laughs) as a testament to the ai these guys again were about five feet apart not adequately social distance no um and i shot one of them with a rocket and the other two continued to stand there just sipping their coffee they didn't even even move (laughs) i wonder what that conversation was like they must have been a really good conversation they didn't even notice their friend exploding in between them like yeah i mean this is really kind of about it as far as gameplay goes. Like this is this is what you do. It is get behind cover, take out enemies, find your way through the complex. Sometimes you need to find a key to unlock a door there, or you need to very take out a laser simple, grid. Yeah, like the laser grids kind of make up the general puzzle mechanic of like you'll go one direction and you'll see a laser grid that will kill you in one hit. And then so you have to sort of go a different way and then you can look back to where you were before and maybe like see a control box. 
and then you can shoot there and it opens up the first path and that part's fun i liked that that it wasn't always like super clear how to get through these then you did need to explore a little bit uh i liked that um yeah i mean it's very minimal uh puzzling but that's about it i mean this game does tout like stealth elements but there's really nothing stealthy about this game i think you can get a damage bonus if you shoot someone without them seeing you but no matter what you use, it's going to attract the attention of their buddies, and it's going to draw you into a firefight. So calling Unless it a you use stealth the rocket anything, launcher, apparently. Unless you use the stealth <laughs> rocket launcher, <laughs> the silenced rocket launcher to take out enemies. Yeah, so it, it, there's really no stealth element of it to speak of. I think, really, the marketers of this game were trying to play up the similarities to Metal Gear Solid, which was like the biggest, coolest game at the time. And uh, this is trying to cop some of those vibes, I think. You know, you've got sleek futuristic cyber spies and 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 doing all that nonsense um, and here's here's what i'm gonna say and this might be this might be controversial i think that this game is more fun to play than metal gear solid like, okay yeah yeah the original metal gear solid is frustrating and often not intuitive in what it makes you do um it, it's just kind of avoid the cone of someone walking around and then go on a bunch of fetch quests um, and like the gunplay, you're kind of just shooting blindly. Whereas this game really does feel kind of next generation in its immersion. Like you really feel much closer to John Luke in this game than you do to Solid Snake and Metal Gear, at least from like the way the camera is positioned and things like that. I will say game, that uh, yeah, Metal Gear Solid, like, yeah, it, 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 I, I could, I could see that. Like the gunplay is definitely more satisfying in this. I would say. Winback is lacking that Metal Gear Solid kind of uh, never sure what's going to happen next, oh, like what right. kind of bonkers twist it's going to take. Like so, it's and that's that's the problem with Winback. I mean, they I think that for all the clumsiness of the controls, I think that they do a pretty decent job, and it's still pretty fun, um, especially because the AI is just not very good, so it's not as frustrating as it could be. Um, but the story and the presentation is just not up to snuff like if like if this game all these super mario rom hackers out there get on win back rom hacks that's what i want to see because i really like the gameplay here but it kind of falters in almost every other regard like the environments are so boring because they're just composed of just a ton of boxes and then eventually you get into the exciting office building um, I will give props the, to the character models. I think the oh, the, yes. the faces look great. Like most N sixty four games, they've they've got that look like you try to stretch some silly putty over a box. You know, like they don't have that here. These look like proportional faces that have been built from scratch for this game. Like they don't move. They're not expressive or anything, but they look crisp and they've got nice like clean lines to them. Yeah, but the yeah the environments <laughs> are super bland. The music is kind of thumping and exciting, but it also just gets very irritating pretty quickly. Yeah, it's going for generic 2000s uh, action movie vibe, which it accomplishes. And I do like that the music picks up in urgency as you lose health. Like, that's a nice little touch that they it's add in there. It's a little annoying, though, because you'll be running around looking for a med kit, and the music's just fast thumping. Oh, that's what it's got to do. Um, it's got to stress you yeah. out, you know? Yeah, you well, mission accomplished. I never figured out how to use the C4. Uh, is that something you have to do specifically? Like I, you, uh, you use the control pad to oh. lay C4, and then you press down to blow it up. I don't think you need it very early on in the game, but okay. maybe, maybe later it comes in more useful. I guess what I'm saying is, I think if you took the gameplay of Winback and combined it with sort of the presentation and style and character of Metal Gear Solid, you would have like a Stone Cold classic. Yeah, I would. You'd have I would one say, of the best games on the system. I would say blend it more with something like Splinter Cell, where where uh, your goal should be to be quiet and like uh, not drawing attention to yourself as much as possible. I think that might be an even more fun adaptation mm. of this. I don't know. Yeah, see, I don't agree with that. I no. feel like things kind of fall apart when you try to emphasize stealth, especially in these earlier games. Um, oh, that's a fair and point. I, and, like, Winback shouldn't be going for realism on the N64 in any way. So, yeah, that's that's a fair point. Yeah, I just think that what happens with this game is you kind of, even though the gameplay is satisfying, you're like, okay, I got this key, I'm going to climb up this ladder now, and I'm going to do this for 20 more levels. Or whatever. There's not, yeah, there's not that sense of surprise. Oh, I'm going to see this weird, like the first boss is like this cackling, angry lady with a machine gun. 
Um, and she's just not as exciting as anything that you're going to see in Metal Gear Solid. And I, I, these are just sort of the limits of the system of like voice acting or cinematics or thing like that. But it is kind of a shame because the cover mechanics are so well. I guess I just wanted this game on PlayStation. I think, <laughs> you know, it's a horrible thing to say on an N64 podcast. But yeah, this should have been a PlayStation game. I think they could have achieved the the cinematic levels that they were shooting for here i think they would have had a, a more responsive controller uh I, yeah I, th- I think it would have been much better suited I, I agree with you on that uh the multiplayer modes I'm, I'm excited for like we're gonna do once we're allowed to be in the same like building again we're gonna do like a multiplayer madness like catching up on all the multiplayer games that we missed out on playing together uh, i'm very excited for this one because uh these modes sound pretty fun there's uh, five distinct modes for up to four players. You get deathmatch, of course, which can either be played as like uh, one on four or on teams. Um, you could do lethal tag, which is kind of a capture the flag mode where you're trying to hold on to a cube for the longest period of time. <laughs> Lots of cubes in this. Cause... That, was, that was the premise of that movie, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. You have to figure out your way through and collect more cubes within the cubes. Uh, Cube Hunt has you scrambling to be the first to gather seven cubes. Uh, if you take any damage... That was also the premise of the Atari game Adventure. Oh, yes, it was. was yeah. Cube Hunt. Collecting all the cubes. Uh, I'm yeah. saying the word cube too much, and it no longer sounds like a real word. Uh, and I wrote it like several more times in my notes, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling cube about it. Anyway, uh, if you take damage, you're going to drop all your cubes in Cube Hunt mode. And then there's Quick Draw, where it's a shooting gallery where the first person to shoot down seven cubes wins all the cubes. Um, Cube, cube, cube. Cube. They they win back all the cubes. Oh, they win back. They win back all the cubes. I I will say, I'm also excited to play the multiplayer of this game, but I can't imagine it will be very good. Like, a game that's built on a lock-on mechanic in multiplayer seems very non-functional, especially a lock-on mechanic where you can't move and shoot. Oh, yeah, and if if it's supposed to be all manual aim, like, in multiplayer mode, that's going to be unplayable. (laughs) That's going to be so hard to do, but I'm excited to dig into it, so... Tune in yeah, later I mean, for that episode. Single, I mean, the single player here is like plenty robust. I didn't even know this game had a multiplayer mode. No. So um, I was I, I was excited to see that, and I'll be excited to try it later. But I don't think you're getting shortchanged to just the single player content. I mean, if I had to make a prediction about this right now, it's probably uh, going to fall into the Star Fox camp of like great idea, pretty boring execution, or like or just like a game that doesn't really isn't conducive to multiplayer. But you never know. You never know. Um, there was a sequel to this game. I received one sequel in 2006 called Winback 2 Project Poseidon. Uh, Winbackier. Win- win- no, it should have been called Winback Again. Winback Again. All one word again. Uh, yeah. So the game was published by Koei, but developed by a different team. Uh, they swapped out all the original characters and they made some changes to the gameplay. The most divisive new mechanic was this route system. So you control two characters in each level operating on separate tracks that kind of intersect at certain points. So sometimes you need to switch back and forth to offer support to the other player if they're pinned down or something like or that. Or it could have been called switch, win back to switch back. Win back, switch back. But yeah. the problem is you need to beat the level twice, like every single time you play the level. You have to beat it with each character. And most reviewers said that that was uh, pretty terrible. And, uh, you know, in addition to the AI didn't really advance much since this first one. They were still pretty dumb and just kind of sat around waiting to get shot. Uh, so the game did not sell very well, uh, and the series has basically been dead in the water ever since. But there was a 2012 PSN uh, re-release of the original game, uh, so you know it, it, it keeps hope alive for some people. I kind of don't think we're going to see Winback ever again. I think. I mean, the, I think the we, thing is, is yeah. there's just no need to. Like yeah. Winback has served its purpose. Like this game has. <laughs> This is it really the, this reminds is me the, of Time Crisis. This is because, the package like, with the shiny new toy in it. And it's like, we've got the new toy, and we, we don't need to keep the package anymore. Yeah, it really reminds me of Time Crisis, because like, the main character of that game is the quote-unquote one-man army Richard Miller, uh. which is just the most boring name ever. <laughs> and it's like, you play Time Crisis sort of for the gameplay, but like none of the aesthetics there really need to carry over. No. It's not like oh, we really need to know the continuing saga of Jean-Luc Cougar. No, no. <laughs> it was not terribly compelling as a story. And I mean, even that like feels like a play on Solid Snake, right? Like, just like, name, animal. I don't know. So yeah, I, I don't think we're going to see Winback ever again, but uh, 
that you know, I like Win Back on the N64 for as shaggy and as flawed and as goofy as it is. It's really clever. It's very, very innovative, and uh, it, it's different from anything else on the system. Like. I kind of didn't really know much about this game going into it, so I didn't realize we'd get to talk about a cover-based shooter on the N64, uh, much less the very first, like, official one. So I think it's pretty cool, and I think it's worth noting anytime there's, like, a major milestone like that. Yeah, it's definitely, if you find yourself just digging through the N64 catalog looking for something, Yeah. This, this game qualifies as something. It definitely is and something. really a pretty decent something. Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to move on to our rankings? Sure. All right. Uh, mm. Each week we are ranking the games that we just played. I think we're up around 230 or something like that. We're, we're Ooh, way So many there. games. So many games. Uh, still a few more to go. For me, uh, I yeah, like I said, I really liked it. Um, I, I think this is kind of an underrated little gem on the system. So I am going to put it at number 24, way up there. It's going to be right above Hybrid Heaven, which is a game I feel like is uh, going for a similar thing as Winback, but Winback is kind of more fun and its mechanics have uh, been translated more uh, more regularly. So it's just a more innovative, interesting game, I think. Wow, yeah. nice. Yeah. Now look, am I going to say that Winback is the greatest game ever? I think you are. Yes, yes, I am. Okay, I had a feeling. Um, I'm putting it at number one on my list. <laughs> Fuck uh, you, NBA over, hang time. Move over Final Fantasy VI <laughs> and NBA hang time. Um, yeah, win, no, Winback is awesome. Um, it's it's very clumsy and feels very weird, but if you're playing N64 games anyway, like you can probably tolerate that now. Um, I thought I was being really generous with its placement. I was put, I'm putting it at number 40. Um, or I guess number 39, which is right behind Gauntlet Legends and right ahead of Tom Clancy's Rainbow Six. Um, but I don't know. Now you've made me think it should be higher. But I look higher and I'm like, oh, these other games are like actually like very polished. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's true. So, it's true. Like but, there's, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say the game is perfect. I'm never going to make that claim. But uh, I really enjoy it. And I think, I I think having, 10 it, out of 10. having it high up on the list, I think... Uh, Hopefully encourages people to go check it out. Yeah, check out Winback. Check out Winback. Win, win it. Win in a poker game. If you've oh Steve, I need my copy of Winback back. I have to break. This is the new I premise. challenge you for it. Yeah, as I got to break into your house and you know kick your dogs out of the way and steal back Winback. I'll start stocking uh, stacking crates right now. Uh, okay, I certainly have many. Uh, so many crates. <laughs> Um, well, thank you, everybody. We do have one letter this week. Uh, I'm going to read it now using my mouth. <laughs> Great. Brilliant segue. Thank you. I'm really good at that. Hey, guys. Uh, not Hello. sure if this quite counts as a design. Oh, oh, sorry. I guess I should reference that uh, uh, this is in reference to a challenge we put out to people a couple weeks ago to talk about games with massive design flaws oh, that you still yeah. understand. This is in reference to Jet Force Gemini, a game and with to massive all the design tribals. flaws. Yeah. Also, side note, I feel like we might have actually ruined that game for some people. <laughs> I feel well, bad. We ruined it for we ruined it for me. We ruined it for ourselves, like, definitely. But I think yeah. the, I mean I had fond memories of it and then I went back and played it and I'm like, ugh. I feel bad. There's a lot of people who are like so excited, oh, this is one of my favorite games, and then we played it and we absolutely tore it to shreds while still rating it pretty high. Let's be fair though. Yeah, I mean that that is that is a matter of relativity. Oh yeah. But I, I will say I think that Winback is more fun to play now than Jet Force Gemini. Oh definitely, definitely. So I don't think that that would have been the case at the time. No, not so much. Anyway, back to the letter here. Uh, Not sure if this quite counts as a design, as it was more of a bug, but there was a great weird NES game called Monster Party. Uh, In each stage, you have to go into rooms and beat a boss, needing to beat two of the three to continue. As a kid, I loved the design of the bosses, so usually I beat them all per stage just to see them. On one of the last stages, though, there was a bug where if you beat two bosses, you could go to the next stage. But if you beat all the bosses, the exit would disappear and you'd get blocked out of the game. That game haunted me for years, and it wasn't until a couple years ago that I learned what that bug was. I had been wondering what I did wrong for years, and that's from John. That would be so frustrating. I'm not familiar with Monster Party. Uh, I've heard of it, uh, but I never... It's it's it a it's a you know it's a two D platformer with just sort of weird sort of cartoony goriness. It's kind of like NES Splatterhouse, oh, yeah. but not quite as good as that. But okay, um, that sounds tremendously frustrating to be in that situation. I mean, 
uh, definitely in the pre-internet days where you would, it was just a mystery as to why you couldn't get to that last level, especially considering you were doing more of the game and the game was punishing you for it. Yeah, yeah, like, that's that's a bizarre cho- It's a bizarre choice to have to fight two out of three bosses at the end. Like, that's a weird level. That's a weird design. I don't know why you would need to do two that, out of that's three. That's kind of cool in an NES game. Like, that would be a very weird choice in, like, a longer game now. Mm-hmm. But, like, a platformer where you can kind of, they have more bosses than you need and you can pick through them. Yeah. It's kind of cool just because it encourages replaying the game. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah, if it does anything different, like if you beat certain bosses. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I want to look into that game because that sounds uh, weird. And I'm into weird stuff. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. We are Ultra 64. You can find us at Ultra 64 Podcast on pretty much all the social medias. We have a Patreon that's at patreon.com slash ultra 64 pod. We've got so, so, so much stuff on there right now. Oh uh, God, what was the last thing we recorded? I think we did a, we did a Luigi's a Mansion episode. Right? We did a flashback episode. We've got one coming up on Toy, the Tasmanian Tiger, which I can only say in that accent now. And my deepest apologies to all of our Australian listeners for butchering your native accent. Well, I mean, we we would apologize in general for Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, <laughs> which is built on all the shallowest Australian stereotypes you could find. It's true, but it's built <laughs> by Australians with all of this. Mm, so that, they, I think that it. makes it kind of appealing to me. Anyway, we'll get to that later. Um, also, I, ha- I have something to pitch. Oh, Steve, yes, please. To, um, to plug. If, if you're interested, I created a little radio show. Um, it's called Tales Designed to Thrizzle. It's by based on the comic book series by Michael Kupperman. Um, it's kind of wacky and fun. I had a bunch of different actors. Steve is in it. Mm-hmm. He does an excellent job teaching us about sex blimps. <laughs> um, so if that sounds weird and you're looking for something goofy to listen to, just uh, ask for it over the social media Facebook, and I'll send you the link to the Google Drive. Absolutely. Yeah, we, we had a lot of fun putting that together. It was a super cool project from uh, that Woody kind of organized. Um, Another cool project that Woody organized is Jest Friends. That's our podcast where we are reading through all of Infinite Jest by David Foster Wallace. And that podcast just ended. We just experienced what it's like to end a podcast. That's yeah, crazy. Yeah, we weren't very good at it. So, But hopefully when we finish all of uh, yeah. <laughs> finish all the N64 games, we'll have used those skills. Yeah, I'm hoping so. Yeah, so uh, we check that out. There's 20 episodes total of that podcast. Uh, it was super fun to do, and we got to read a very long and difficult book in the process. <laughs> we... Yeah, I don't know. You might be overhyping the amount of fun that we had. Everything's fun in <laughs> retrospect. But. It's true, but you'll have fun <laughs> listening to it is the point. Yes. Uh, and you'll have fun listening to our show next week because we are talking about two games that I know a lot of people have been very excited about. Mystical Ninja starring Goemon and its sequel, Goemon's Great Adventure. Uh, if all works Goemon. out... Goemon... To the Pokemon, go to the polls. Do Goemon it. to the polls. <laughs> Goemon go. Yeah, that's that's our next that's our next one. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some cool guests on that one. Uh, hint, hint. Should be fun. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to dig into these because these have been heavily requested, and I really don't very little about this series at all. So I'm excited to dig into it. Uh, you fight with a pipe. This I know. You fight with a pipe. Okay, like yeah. Streets of Rage. Exactly like Streets of Rage. Also, by the way, can we play Streets of Rage four for this podcast? Oh my that god, game looks sweet. I'm playing it right now. It is amazing. Is it su- it's as sweet as it looks. It's like immediately one of my favorite new beat 'em ups. Like, like it plays so great. Yeah, check out Streets of Rage four. It's free on Game Pass right now. Um, oh, yes. Man. Anyway, that's a minor plug for Streets of Rage four. But check in next week for Mystical Ninja starring Goemon and Goemon's Great Adventure. Uh, Winback mission aborted. Bye. Bye. Bye.